Hi, I'm Andrew, an entrepreneur and a computer science student. Hi, I'm Ravine, a psychology major student. And you're now listening to the InTots podcast, where we ponder and talk about incongruous thoughts ranging from our daily life to the human mind. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome back to InTots podcast. So today is a different episode i'll say because we have another guest with us today which is karen so yeah karen <laughs> karen uh karen and i was um, were colleagues um, back in our yeah, previous workplace yeah so karen do you want to introduce yourself a bit more to our audience uh, hi i'm karen i'm currently based in uh, slango kl and as Karin said we were previously um, colleagues in uh our previous workplace <laughs> and um, they have invited uh, me for the podcast today so I'm looking forward to it. see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you feeling nervous now? <laughs> Quiet. <laughs> Quite don't worry, nervous. don't worry. It's just it's just a small thing. And then and then like, we're not too popular yet. <laughs> not popular <laughs> <laughs> But this is um I can say this is the first time I'm appearing in a, like a public setting. Oh, that's cool. That's, <laughs> yeah. cool, that's cool. Even my own Instagram, I don't post any videos, I think. <laughs> so I'm quite nervous. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay so um, today um, we would like to know a bit more about you, about your journey, and yeah. Uh, or maybe your thoughts and everything that you think mm, it would be worth sharing and yeah so if you have anything that you want to share then yeah, just feel free to talk about it and so uh okay so mm, let's start with mm, i i know that okay i personally know that mm, you did quite a lot of stuff yeah mm, do do you want to share with us about mm, how's your journey and everything um yeah i think Quite a lot of stuff, meaning um, I have very different, different bizarre roles <laughs> in my life. <laughs> so, so yeah, I would love to share. So, I guess the first professional skill-related role that I've taken up is actually as a taekwondo teacher. Back when I was 15, I think, I started mm-hmm. off as an assistant. And then when I was 18, I started having my own class. So... Um, At such a young think, age, and then you're, 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 like, you're like teaching teaching others... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I started learning at 7. So, Ooh. you know, 15 is technically quite a long time already. Almost 10 years. Okay, okay. So, yeah. So, um, I think that gave me a lot of confidence um, like to try and pursue more things. You know, having to lead a class, you know, go to a center and present myself as a professional, you know, at 18. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so um, then... I, similar to you, Verin, I found interest in psychology, so I took my degree and then uh, became an ABA therapist. So this would be my second kind of professional role. So um, this job is basically providing um, applied behavioral analysis, ABA therapy, to Mm -hmm. children with autism. And I find myself really enjoying playing with the kids and also (laughs) applying this very... Very structured and also very structured but flexible. Can use in any situation kind of skill, you know, ABA, teaching kids. So even when I stopped, um, I worked there for about four years. And then when I stopped, I find myself um, doing freelance as an ABA therapist. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, I, until now, is it? Yeah, I think until just February, until the last like wave of MCO lah, of COVID. Then um, I used to go to children's home for therapy, but I think with the COVID going on, the children are very small, like two and a half years old, four, so it's a bit mm. difficult. So then we stopped. Yeah. Mm. But how do you yeah. find so like, communicating with young young kids? Like they're just two and a half years old. They they don't really talk about their yeah. They don't really talk, right? <laughs> yeah, but that is the fun part because we don't really communicate. We play. <laughs> so, oh. so I basically go there to play, and mm. you know we. I find joy in like buying toys. Okay, it's kind of like okay. <laughs> uh, childhood, you know, unfulfilled needs kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, so, so it, being an ABA therapist, you need a lot of toys, you know, to, to, to play with the children, to get them to speak, to reinforce them when they do something right, you know, a lot of, a large variety of toys. So basically for two and a half years, we just go to the house and play together and then get him <laughs> to do small tasks and then we play again and then do small tasks, we play again. So not much of a communication, more of a relationship with them, I would say. Mm. I, think I see it as quite fun. <laughs> so, so usually you get along with kids very easily, is it? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know actually. <laughs> Maybe, um, I think I'm suited as a role as a teacher. I think they listen to me, mm. but I'm not sure if I get along with them. I guess so, because okay. they might come and tell me about their holidays and things. So. Oh. I guess they like me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess that, that's a really yeah. good indicator. That's a really good indicator that they don't just see you as a teacher or they like, just listen, listen, listen to like, what, what, what you ask them to do and say they actually like, it's like a two-way communication. So I guess it's a good thing. Eh? <laughs> yeah, I, I hope so. I hope so. Hope they're not too scared. <laughs> yeah, I think I kind mm. of can understand your feeling because last time I did like part-time tutoring uh kind of stuff so yeah so um, whenever those students um, started to tell me about a, a bit more about their life that their their self yeah it feels very different and i feel like okay they like me i think yeah. <laughs> yes you feel like it went to Correct. another level of, of the relationship where like okay now it's not just like me teaching you anymore like oh we kind of like it's starting to get a bit like friends or something Correct. <laughs> yeah. right. it's not one way anymore you are giving mm. me information from your side so it's yeah. quite fulfilling right when they tell you yeah <laughs> <laughs> but this is when you when you say you find joy buying toys i it just reminded me about this he buy toys for himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause, cause the contact like recently, yeah, I got my first salary, so I was like, uh-huh. oh, I really, I'm, I'm really a, I'm, I'm a guy that really likes Lego, so I haven't been getting one for quite some time. And so I bought, bought one like just to reward myself. I was like, oh, just to, yeah, it's like the first salary to to fulfill the the child in me for the for a very long time. Something like that. Mm, that's nice, Lego, the adult toy, can play yeah, for a lifetime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm, yeah, so that is one of the things that I kept doing because I enjoyed it, because it's fun. Yeah, so then after that, I pursued my master's in clinical psychology and then I became a clinical psychologist. So um, that this is a new-ish role that I've been playing for maybe two years now, two to three Two years, mm-hmm. two years now, not including of training time. So, um, 
I'm still finding myself in this role, you know, trying to grow to be some a better helper and also finding a place where I belong. You know, there's many, um, many choices, many paths in this setting, you know, an NGO or hospital or private or, you know, if you want to be a lecturer. So I'm still mm. exploring around, trying to find myself. Yeah, new role, quite exciting. <laughs> okay, okay. Mm. And so, um, so, uh, for clinical psychology, psychologist role, you usually work with adults, is it? Um, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, for, because during, um, when we are going for the master's, it's actually first year theory and the second year practicum. So we have two placements. Yeah, so mm. I happen to be placed in, um, two hospitals and both are adult setting and they don't accept mm. children. Um, mm. So, okay, wait, the second one accepted children, but not for treatment, only for diagnosis. So um. I would say that my exposure as a clinical psychologist towards children mm. is not very much. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay. But before that, you know, with, ABA, then, you know, I work with children for four years. So I find that working with adults is quite a good change for me to explore the other side, you know. Mm. Then so far, so far, do you think you prefer working with adults or children more? <laughs> mm, I think both uh, have its pros and cons. Working with adults, um, I guess you have more control in a sense that... Um, you can discuss with them, you can negotiate with them, you know, you can bargain with them and you can make sense of things with them. But okay. with children, uh, there's more energy. You have to do it their, their way, is it? Like you can't really, there's no one way that you kind of know, like this way will work something like that, is it? Correct, correct. Yeah, there's that, you know, and then, and then you have to follow their flow, one thing, and more challengingly is you have to follow their parents' flow. So it's not exactly a direct, you know, relationship with the client, but there's also someone that has to say, uh, which is their parents, right? So then, then you find that the relationship is a bit complicated. We have to manage the parents and educate the parents and also discuss with them about decision making, you know, so what you think might be the best for the client might not always happen. You know, because the parents mm -hmm. might see things differently as their child, right? So then the control is not as much, uh, I would say, compared to working with adults. So, of course, working with adults also takes a different kind of um, energy. <laughs> so with children, a lot of physical energy, right? You have to be <laughs> high and like running around and very excitable all the time. But with adults, it's more of a emotionally um, vulnerable, opening up, you know, being open to accept their emotions, open to giving your own. Yeah. So then it's different. There's a more of a mental fatigue than a physical fatigue. Yeah. <laughs> different. Yeah. But both are equally exciting. So I stay in contact with both. I do adults mm -hmm. and then in Taekwondo as a teacher, I... Mm -hmm deal with children so that's like my you know fun time then 
Okay, <laughs> that's, that's, that's cool. I like I like how you how how yeah. that like even though it's like kind of like a work, but then you kind of find fun in it, yeah. and then it actually yeah. helps out with your general work life balance. I believe like it, it just it just makes your makes your life generally a lot more fun. Okay. So, yeah, so you talked about uh, the the interesting thing about because uh, you work yeah when you when you work with adults it's like mo- mostly mental fatigue because we go more on the on the mental level. I'm I'm mm. just interested because uh, it's something that I heard from Verin recently as well uh, that in the UK. When they work in the public sector for uh, in in a psychology public sector, it's more dealing with like like trauma and all this, like patients' trauma, something like that. And then it, when they work in the private sector, it's a lot it, it's a lot simpler, as in like it's mostly people dealing with their own problems, something like that. So like, uh, is it okay for you to share like 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 from your experience right now, like what is the what are the things that you mostly dealt with? Like with your patients, something like that. Like is it like most of them? Is it like really heavy trauma that you need to get them out of, or is it like mostly still um, simple things like their own problems? You know, I like they 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 feel like they I don't know like a bit depressed, depressed, mm. something like that. Yeah, mm. I understand. Mm. I agree with the assessment in UK. You know, in the public sector, mm. because previously I worked into um the public hospital. And Ooh, then, okay. yeah, and me and Varine work in a NGO which serves the public setting kind of pe- mm-hmm. um, population. So definitely, I would say in the public sector, it's more of a trauma, trauma-related kind of patients because they, firstly, they come from a lower socioeconomic background. That's why they have to depend on the public sector and not the private sector, right? Mm-hmm. Because public sector is more affordable. Mm-hmm. So... They also might come in, if in the hospital setting, they might come in through the emergency as abuse cases mm-hmm. or, you know, as as um, suicide attempts, cases. Yeah, but in a private setting, it's different because they sign up voluntarily most of mm-hmm. the time. You know, they make a conscious decision that say, okay, I need help. You know, let's, it's time for a change, you know, let's, let's <laughs> okay, do okay. this. Yeah. yeah, but in a public setting, that's not necessarily always the case. You know, sometimes mm. it's forced. Sometimes mm. it's um, because the situation's already too bad. So no choice. You know, have to come and seek mm. help. Yeah. So the intensity is a bit different. But I wouldn't say that the uh, private, my private patients, that their issues are simple also. You know, okay. because sometimes even they, they may be high functioning. They may be um, very capable people working. But... Perhaps their past, their childhood has not been quite easy, you know, and perhaps there are also some trauma that they face in college days, school days, and all this um, many piles up, you know, and, and, and when they are stressed, then, you know, all, all the bad experiences that they have manifest in a lot of insecurity, they get unhelpful thoughts. And then they cannot cope. So there's a lot, quite a lot to unpack also. You know, it's not just as simple as now you're depressed, now you're anxious. But sometimes in the, there's so much behind this depression and anxiety as well. Yeah, I think, I think we can say that um, what uh, the outsider can see from this person is just an ice, the, the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot Correct. of stuff under beneath it. Yeah, yeah and... and I think in my current practice as a private, in my private place, then uh, 
private center, they I tend to see a lot of um, young adults who just started working. So many of them say that actually I need therapy a long time ago, but now because I have money, so now I'm here like that. Okay. So it's not something new for most of them. It's something already very chronic, but maybe because of the stigma, because of the lack of awareness in mental health. So they find that they cannot tell their parents. So they have to wait until they own yeah. their own money, then I can seek help. So therefore, again, a lot to unpack, you know? Okay, okay. So, mm. Interesting, interesting. And I mean, I guess hearing that, that is a good sign that mm. I guess, um, yeah, younger generation kind of know that this is quite an important part mm. in their life because I guess, yeah, it's true that when we tell our parents, they just don't understand. They just be like, <laughs> you know, maybe you're overthinking or something, you know, like Correct. back then I, I went through all this stuff, you know, it seemed like I'm fine. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you open your mouth and you say, I'm not fine. I want to see a psychologist. Wow. <laughs> your parents yeah. ask no, like, you don't have mental health, like, you're fine, you're totally okay. <laughs> Correct, exactly. And and you see, that is like the first barrier. And if the parents mm-hmm. are kind of um, literate in terms of mental health, then they might say, okay, how much is it? And then they're going to say the price, which is <laughs> so expensive. Yeah, and it's another layer of barrier where the parents are going to say, so expensive, can't you just go exercise or, or go out with your friends, you know, go to church. Like, they will try to help them themselves, you know, because they might not see the importance of it, you know, compared to the cost. Yeah, yeah or, or they, they just say, like, you play too much, huh? Yeah. <laughs> or they might assess it themselves, you know? Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Mm. Uh, oh yeah, um, just not just um, like from what you share, you've been doing like quite a lot of stuff. Um, I I, I would say at I, at the same time, yeah, just um, bit, yeah. So, um, you know, um, with so be- such a busy schedule and everything, how do you usually manage your time? Yeah, and also how do you man- manage your energy? Yeah, that that's the most in- interested thing that I like to know. <laughs> It's a very interesting question because when I, um, mm-hmm. it's something I ask myself every day. <laughs> how do I oh. wake up? <laughs> how, do we, how do we continue this? Yeah, so um, to be honest, it's not always been this busy. I think um, things mm-hmm. took um, more of a boost this year when the clinical psychology mm-hmm. role, like, you know, started to become more complex. Yeah, I started working in the NGO with Berin, and then after that, um, also starting my private practice at the same time. So then there's this full-time job, you know, afternoon, morning, daytime, and then there's this mm-hmm. private practice at night, Mondays to Saturdays, you know, and then Sundays are usually my Taekwondo days. So there will be Seven teaching in the morning. Wow, you're so like, you're practically there's like not really any break. <laughs> Yeah, so there are breaks, but it's at odd, odd times. So like maybe Friday night, Saturday afternoon, wow. you know, they're like odd slots of the day. Yeah, so wow, okay. this... That's quite extreme. <laughs> like like you, you don't have a, like a full day off right now. <laughs> correct, correct. It is, it is. It is quite extreme. I, I, I realize, I've come to realize that, you see, and as time passed. So, so um, I think I also told myself at the beginning of this year, it was a New Year's resolution of mine to hustle just this year. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. 
I think because uh, at the same time, I'm at this stage of my life where I'm preparing to get married, to start a family, so this would be like a last year for me where I can focus on myself and my okay, bank account, okay. I think. Yeah, so, <laughs> so um, because in order to start a family, you need a, practically, you need a large sum of money at this point, you know, with the inflation, the cost yes. of housing. <laughs> the economy, man, is like, exactly. <laughs> not, food, not doing well in many, many parts of the world. <laughs> correct. And what more to have a child, you know, even bigger costs. Yeah, so with that goal in mind, so I thought this year, focus on myself, develop, and also try to grow my income so that, you know, moving into the next chapter of my life, I don't have to worry so much about money. Yeah, and this is a uh, vision that me and my fiancé share. So both of us say, okay lah, this year we hustle. So, <laughs> therefore, the seven days a week begin. So, for the first, maybe like, um, February to June, July, for the first half of the year, was very motivated because it was a very value targeted action you know and it's just temporary that's what we kept telling ourselves one year just one year let's do this so went all out seven days a week and but until june i think i started to realize that this is not sustainable not even for a year yeah so then we started cutting down so that is when i start to cut down my ada therapy practice so um, I referred the client off to a friend that I really trusted. And then, so Saturdays became free. So I have one free day. Yes. Um, or at least, um, yeah, one free, one half, half free day. Yeah. Half and, day. <laughs> yes, half free day. So private practice in the morning, then after 12, I'm free. So still okay, lah, I think. It's just mm. like waking up late, right? That's how I yeah. try to... <laughs> to envision, <laughs> tell myself, to reframe it in my mind, yeah. So, then, um, having this awareness, then I cut down a bit more, lah. but until now, it's still busy because the year is not over. Hustle year is still on, right? Yeah, okay. so managing, managing several things, firstly, is um, I try to reframe my thoughts about working. Yeah. So like Sunday, you see it as the work day, right? Like full day is actually gone, not for leisure. But I see it as my exercise day. I try to reframe mm -hmm. it as fun day. So oh, morning, okay, okay. go and play. Yeah, just just play. Yeah. And afternoon, go and train. So just go and exercise. So I see it as a self-care kind of day. Lah. I try to reframe it like this. And I have tried to have fun there also. Yeah. So that then it's not so stressful. Sunday doesn't, I don't dread it. I look forward to it. Yeah. Then as well as trying to always tell myself to stay in the present, you know, it's just for now. Let's do this now. And then, um, now you feel tired. Okay. Let's take a break. Now you can do it. Do it now. You know, try not to think so far ahead or like ruminate about how tired I was last week, but rather just stay in the now in the present. Yeah, and wow, amazing. I really, I really like. Uh, there's a few, there, there's a few key things that I, I really <laughs> find really motivating. First is that you can keep your new New Year resolution until now. Like, like now it's November, you're still on it. Wow, that is already blindly impressive. And then the second thing is like, I, I really like the reframing part because I, yeah, I, I like how you just like you, you kind of 
because uh, I've seen quite a few people they, that they does this as well. Like like yours, you, you kind of change your Sunday into like, okay, it's a, it's a fun day, even though I'm like working, but then I'm doing this because, you know, it's fun. I'm enjoying it. So like, it's practically like, like, uh, like kind of half leisure, at least something like that. And then yes. I do see some people, they just kind of change it. Like, oh, I, I, whenever I'm doing something, I have, uh, I'll, I'll think that, you know, I have to be grateful that I have this chance that I'm able to do this. And then like, yeah, I have this opportunity that I'm doing. So I'm like, I'm, I'm fortunate as well. Like that's, that's something I love. And mm-hmm. then yeah, like, and then the third thing is that you said how you keep yourself in the present, you know? Like, and if you're really tired, you know, you just, you don't stop at all. You just like, you take a, a short break. Okay. We take a break and then we re- release some stress and then we keep on going like this, like, wow, it's amazing that how you keep all this in you. And then that's how you keep yourself moving all, uh, along, along all this, all this thing that you're doing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think your, what you said was completely right. You know, so it's more mm-hmm. of a reframing the mindset of, mm-hmm. I choose mm-hmm. to do this. To have fun mm. rather than I mm. must do this because it's work or I mm. should do this because I, you know, but rather I choose. So mm. then just go out and just go and play, you know. So then um, makes things easier and staying in the present. So of course, it's not so easy all the time. And I think that without a very good support system, behind me i don't think i can sustain for so long also until november right like you said <laughs> i'm also cannot believe <laughs> that's it. impressive like, like, wow. myself, like, like, like it's months. a new year resolution that you have been kept to, to towards like the end of the year already like that is generally a success already <laughs> yeah and they say they talk about res- new year resolution but never started until december. <laughs> <laughs> no they never started and then it ended up become next year new year, new year resolution <laughs> postpone the next year yeah <laughs> Yeah. So I guess it's also because I share this vision with my partner, with my fiance. So, so having someone to share this drive with. So in the weekends when we're busy, we're busy together, you know, and, and whatever mm. needs to be compensated, we take care of each other like that. So he, I find that um, he keeps me very grounded whenever I start to catastrophize, then he'll you know, then he keeps me grounded and my family, my family is always behind me. So then mm-hmm. it makes me feel like I'm not too afraid to fail. Or even mm-hmm. if I fail, then there's, there's some support. And also finding fun in small things. Like recently I learned that I really like cats. So I've been watching a lot of cat videos and I find that, <laughs> yeah, so finding fun in small things, like at night, maybe before bed, you know, just okay, finding okay. fun. Like, like small, small, small rewards. Uh, do, you, do you say that they are like? Correct. Yeah. Small rewards and small jokes here and there. Just mm-hmm. laughing a bit more in life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> helps. Mm, so all this actually helps to manage the energy. And I think learning to be flexible was something I struggled with a lot. You know, like, like you all said earlier, you don't have one free day. So that's how, exactly how I feel when I'm too tired or when I'm burnt out, having a meltdown, I will say that I don't even have one free day. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. So, um, I think that it's not so easy all the time, but, um, you know, learning to be flexible was something that this hustle here taught me. If you have free time now. Don't stress about work. Just go be free. <laughs> and then work is back, you know, be 
work again. You don't have to always have nine to five work mindset and then free mindset. It can be more flexible. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. That's something that I I I I, I do need to learn. Uh. <laughs> I do need to learn. Yeah, something I'm still trying to adapt to. <laughs> so so would would you say you work hard but and play hard at the same time? Like not the same this time. This year, like I would say the play is not so hard. <laughs> this year, no time <laughs> to play. <laughs> but um, play hard in different ways. So work hard mm. and maybe spend a bit more on my house renovation to have a nicer mm. nicer place. Like that, you know, play hard mm. in that sense. Lovely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, but I like how, how you and your fiancé share the same vision and everything. Yeah, it just, I, I feel like um, both of you are work. It, it just feels so nice that both of you are working towards the same direction yeah, so that you can do things together and everything. I'm sure you guys are too, right? And that's why you moved there <laughs> <laughs> to UK? I believe so, I believe so. I can see that in you too, too. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, uh, I actually don't don't really know about this, but uh, when I first follow you on your Instagram, I saw you tag, I mean, you tag this account on your bio, yeah, uh, about ah. Studio 27. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I would love to <laughs> share about what, that. What is it That's... about? <laughs> It's a very exciting project. So actually, um, it manifested out of boredom during the pandemic, during MCO. Because there, was, mm-hmm. there wasn't much going on at that time, right? So we, me and three of my high school friends, um, we have been friends for, I think, 15 years now, 15 years now. Yeah, my high school friends. So we tried to find a reason to stay connected because we're all in different places. So we are in KL, in Sarawak, in Singapore, you know. So we wanted to try to be connected. And Mm -hmm. so we decided to start a project together, but we didn't know what to do. So one of us is a novel translator. I'm a psychologist, uh, ABA therapist, and then um, uh, one friend is a graphic designer, and then another one is a tax accountant. (laughs) So very bizarre, like different lines Mm -hmm. of work, right? So then to stay connected, we're like, okay, let's start a project together. What can we do together? Mm. So then... I don't remember who, but someone came up with the idea of making children's storybook. So one of us can draw, one of us can plan the content, which is me, and then one of us can translate, and then another one of us someone can... Someone can do the business. Run the business, yes, exactly. The accountant can run the business. So, <laughs> yeah, so coincidentally, it was like that. So we're like, okay, lah, then let's draw a children's storybook. So because um, I worked with... Um, autistic children, um, you know, children with autism and various neural, neurodiverse children, even um, children with um, intellectual disability, children with dyslexia, right? So I've always felt that the resources and the materials, especially the tangible ones, yeah, the not online or, you know, the tangible ones are always very expensive and not very accessible in Malaysia, you know, special needs tools, yeah, to help them or to teach them. 
So we figured, okay, why not we make a storybook that is suited for this population that is so simple and can help to teach this population of neurodiverse mm. children about what's going on now. Because at the same time, I was hearing a lot of parents saying that MCO is very challenging for mm. them to take care of neurodiverse children. You know, they, they stopped going to therapy, they stopped going to school because of the lockdown. And then they stay at home, parents don't know how to manage them, they are confused, they don't know what's wrong, why we can't go out, you know, why we have to wear this thing on our face, you know. They, they... <laughs> yeah, at that time. So, so I find a lot of um, parents struggle with that, at least the parents that I used to work with, they share with me. And then we are making a children's storybook. So I said, okay, why not make a children's storybook for them? Then, mm. um, yeah, so in, in ABA or even uh, in psychology, we learn this um, technique for children. It's called um, social story. So we put the social context in the storybook and then we read it to the child. And mm. step by step, we teach the, the child what to expect. So oh, like, for example, okay, okay. social story to go to the dentist. So, mm -hmm. okay, today, um, Ali had a toothache. Tomorrow, he's, um, so mommy's going to bring him to the dentist. He walks into the dentist. He sees the, den the dental room. There is a bed. There is a this, there is a that. You know, it helps them to prepare for what to expect. Okay, okay. So oh, when you reach mm -hmm. then, then Ali will sit on the dental bed doctor will open mm. his mouth and check for his teeth. It will feel a bit ticklish. So it prepares them for what, what sensations or what is happening, what step by step until all the way to the end. So mm. once doctor checks, doctor might do this, uh, it might a few steps, a few pictures might come out. And then at the end, Ali can go home. And then because he went to the dentist, he gets a ice cream or he gets a what, what, what not, you know? So then they, they know. So when, before you want to bring the child to the dentist, maybe for two weeks before that, you might want to prepare the child. So every night or every two days, you read the story to the child and tell them that, okay, we're going soon like this. So this will reduce the resistance and also their fear going into unknown situations. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So COVID was an unknown situation. So then at that time, we decided to write a social story about COVID and also the procedures. So like COVID came to visit the, this town called Malaysia and then, you know, you get sick. So you get sick here. Um, when you get sick, you will have um, pain here and then we draw out all the parts that are going to be painful. And then mm -hmm. after that, um, there, but there's a way to fight against this COVID, you know, and, and the way we do it is by our, super, our superpower. So superpower number one is the wearing the mask, you know, so on the two is washing our hands. So that in that sense, we make it more child friendly and it helps them yeah, to yeah, understand yeah. what is happening. So while doctors yeah. are still I guess if you make the whole thing very approachable for them, like, like they, they, can, they can, they can see it in their, like closer, closer to their world. Like, like the whole story is like closer to their world. Yeah. And, and for the social story part, you know, when we said Ali, this name can actually be replaced with the child's actual name to make it even more relatable. Mm. It has come to a town where this, you are staying, you know? So you have these superpowers, you can do this. You can do this to fight against this virus, you know? So more, um, I guess to bring awareness 
and also to help parents explain to these neurodiverse children what is happening at that time. Yeah. So another goal we wanted was to make it more Malaysian friendly. So we translated it into Bahasa Malaysia, Mandarin and also English. That's what our translator friend did. So <laughs> yes. It's amazing. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah so we do, printed do this Oh, sorry. Do you think this like social story kind of way to learn will ap- can apply the same in uh, the normal children? I, I mean, um, the way you structure the the storybook, uh, is it uh, as applicable to the normal children? Of course, of course. Yeah, I'm sure they would pick it up mm-hmm. even easier. For normal mm-hmm. children, maybe you don't even have to repeat to them every night. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. once you read to them, they might pick up immediately. And they might know mm-hmm. what to expect. They might even tell you back, you know, then I'm going to see <laughs> this. Because um, I've shared it with some of my friends, younger children, like two years old, three years old. Even that, they understand. Yeah, I try to think back. I believe that will help a lot because I guess the main thing is like the the expectation part. Because you build mm. the expectation thing, and then like 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 just like how when we watch cartoon, we kind of relate. Yeah. Like like we question why like when we go somewhere, we eat something. Like isn't it isn't like what we see in the cartoon? The cartoon. Like Correct. if we do 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 like like how the storybook did. Like it just builds the expectation, and then when you go to a dentist, you see whatever you have in uh, you 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 learn from the book. You're like, oh yeah, it's exactly like this, and then now it makes the image more vivid because I see yeah. actually how it looks like. Uh, it's relatable something like that. Yeah, and I'm the main character. You know, I'm the hero yeah. here. <laughs> I'm the princess <laughs> in the story. So how yeah, exciting yeah, for them, you know. Yeah, I just I just suddenly suddenly thought of like wow, <laughs> I, I'm like imagining how good a mother. I mean, you will be how good you will be as a mother, <laughs> like supporting your children. <laughs> I I hear that from a lot of my parents, you know, of the children that I deal with. But I honestly cannot imagine. I think it's different, right? When you. <laughs> Work with other people's kids, you kind of just see them for a few hours and you send them off. But <laughs> with your own children, it's it's all the time. So you know, I'm not. I hope. I hope so. I hope so. I'm not sure, but I hope so. <laughs> well, that's something something to learn. But I believe, yeah, you can do well. <laughs> <laughs> so, so is the bird project still ongoing until now? Yeah, so um, the COVID book is already out and we've also already donated it to several NGOs like uh, Nassom, you know, um, and we've also sold it for like only 15 ringgit, I think, per, per social story. Or, yeah, like 15 or 15, yeah, 15. So um, we printed like a batch and we sold off that batch. And then after that, we wanted to wait for the second story to print another batch together with the second story, you see. But um, our friend, the illustrator, has been quite busy ever since the lockdown ended. Then back to work, you know, so everyone is back to work. So um, I guess the second book is still in process. And perhaps once it's out, then we might continue. So the project is still on in a very, very slow pace, but it's still on, I think. I mean, it's a good thing because I, I guess the main intention initially was is, isn't. I mean, it's it's turned out to be a good thing, but then initially it's not about the product itself. It's like to maintain the relationship with your friends. It's just that you know the 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 right. the the uh, 
and another something just came out that you know it turned out to be something that's amazing yeah it would just yeah. be great like hopefully in the future you know it can be something that bonds your your friendship together and then at, at the same time you know this product continue to to to, to grow yeah to nurture to something amazing correct mm, i i guess so and and i'm very curious about your podcast as well is this the same intention <laughs> when you all started the podcast together yeah in fact actually it it is it is quite true. It is quite true because, uh, uh, yeah, we started mid last year. Yeah, mid last year. We've been doing it for more than a year now. That that it was it was just genuinely because uh, I was about to come to the UK and then Verin still is still in Malaysia and then I just realized we spend a lot of time, you know, just chatting about random stuff, really <laughs> random stuff. And then, yeah, 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 kind of like like that's another way of saying it. <laughs> yeah, so it's like. Yeah, it's we and and I was listening to a few podcasts and then some of them are just like genuinely just conversation between brothers on random topics and I was like, yeah, people are doing this and why not let's just try to do it and and here we are. <laughs> but but like like right now like I guess it's kind of like what uh seems similar to the project that you've been doing as well. Like you guys are are slowly moving a bit, you know, uh above a level where you try to create a product that is genuinely you know uh, good helpful to the community mm. so we previously we just do podcasts we just mm. talk about stuff and then now that's why we, we try to invite we we set like a small goal every single month where we try to invite the guests on onto our podcast and then just to share about their journey like like the things that they are doing something like that mm. <laughs> yeah that's but really initially good. it was literally just for us to like connect <laughs> When, when when I'm in the UK and then and then and then she's, she's in, in Malaysia, Malaysia. So like we have something similar that we can talk about. <laughs> right. And and at first at the beginning stage that itself is meaningful enough, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. like you all said, you're taking another step towards it, you know, being more <laughs> and more complex, more and more um community based, more outreach, more awareness. Yeah, yeah. And that's amazing. I'm sure you'll go somewhere soon. <laughs> <laughs> slowly, slowly. I, yeah, yeah slowly. Yeah, just I, I kind of just take take this. Just started inviting guests, is it? I saw there was another guest speaker previously. Uh, yes. I mean, um, okay. The guest kind of goes back quite some time ago, mm. uh, but then, like, pre- back then, we didn't like we just casually find friends and then uh. we just find it it's interesting and then we just like bring that up and then we just talk about stuff but then uh i think like this having a constant guest and then reaching out further beyond beyond our own zone is <laughs> like quite a recent thing like we would like now we we do we do just uh cold email or like just message people which you find like cool you know just try out mm. see whether it works out you know if yeah, they just yeah. kind of like, like i would say we we uh, we got quite a success in the beginning. So our our, I guess our first official start on the the video podcast with the guest is uh, Paul Millet, and then literally we just I just texted him on on Twitter, and then he just accepted it, and then so, wow. yeah, it was it was a good start, and then now we're continuing it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I'm, I think that you all seem very driven and also very passionate about this. I think. <laughs> Looking good, it's looking good. <laughs> so, um, so from from what you you've been sharing about what you you've been doing, actually, mm. um, what is your like kind of like vision? Yeah. Um, like, but 
what I want. Yeah, like a vision to, for life. Yeah. You know, what you like? Like you've been doing so many things. Like you know, you even dabble with side projects. Like do you have? Do you just do all this? You know, just you know because it's fun, or like do you have like kind of vision, long term vision? You know, uh, yeah. Hmm. Uh, I think in the short term, um, you know, at this point, the immediate goal is quite um. Simple for me, it is to earn enough to start a family comfortably without having to worry about money or having to worry about having completed my studies or I don't have a house, I don't have a car, you know things like that. But in the long run, I think generally something I always um, value and access a compass for me is to continuously upskill to be a better helper, and you know whether. Whether as a be a therapist or psychologist, to be a better helper in this mental health profession, and um, at the same time, not foregoing activities that I'm passionate about. You know, so keeping my passion close to me as a form of self care and leisure. At the same time, upskilling my professional role. So this would be a long term vision. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think quite quite. A number of people in Malaysia, when they are working in the mental health field, they 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 would kind of hope or see themselves, um, you know, opening a a cleaning or, some, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Themselves. Um, have you ever thought of that? <laughs> Not in the immediate future, <laughs> but maybe, mm. maybe if um, you know, um have some trusted partners mm. to, you know, to start up with. And also, maybe when I feel that I have enough or sufficient level of experience, because starting a centre is not just being a helper, right? It's also being mm. a businesswoman, it's also being, you know, a, a HR <laughs> and, and all these other <laughs> skills that, that, that might be needed, an accountant. Yeah, so... Perhaps when all these skills come in with my life experiences, then maybe, you know, I would consider starting a center, mm. not mm. in the immediate future. Mm, I see us. <laughs> oh yeah, just not, just not, I, I remember you talk about like, um, uh, as of now in your private practice, um, many mm. people that come in is like young adults. Mm. Actually, uh, what, what do you think about the current awareness of mental health in Malaysia. I know, I I, I think ever since like COVID, people have been talking about it a bit more, mm. but is it, do, do you think is it just a very surface level kind of awareness or actually people really think about it? Because I think in the UK it's quite different because like deeply rooted here, like I mm. have to talk about my mental health before anything else. Yeah, yeah, like, oh. like they kind of just put it yeah. out everywhere. Like yeah. even like university, they publicly, uh, they, they publicly tell, put on uh, Instagram and everything, telling that, you know, if uh, if you have mental health problems, feel free to come to, you know, there's like departments, there's like numbers you can call. And then oh. there's like weeks where they focus on mental health. Like, yeah, they, they call, it's quite, it's quite a funny, they call it wobble week. So like sometimes like throughout, I think it's like around mid, mid semester right now it's yeah. around there yeah, so i think i received the email last week yeah so uh, many students might be too overwhelmed might be too stressed and then there's a bunch of events for you to calm down for you to you know to talk about what you think for you to yeah yeah to 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 to, to uh get, get uh get your feelings out something like that 
That's amazing. Um, that's a really good practice to have, especially at the timing that you mentioned, you know, in the middle of the semester, mm-hmm. when usually university students are at their peak stress and assignment mm-hmm. level, right? Yeah, they remind yeah. you that, hey, we have these things for you all to, to have fun with, you know, to practice self-care, come join us. I think that's really good. So it's, it's taking a step more than just promoting awareness, right? Mm-hmm. It's actually helping... Yeah. Yeah, enforcing um, um, policies that help. Yeah, so I think in Malaysia the awareness is growing, like Marine said, especially after the pandemic, even more so. Right, you hear people talking about mental health. Yeah, and especially I think the awareness has been growing among the Gen Y Gen Z population mm-hmm. from age like eighteen to, to forty years old. Yeah. So, um, I would say that it's getting there, but mostly in the urban areas. I'm not so sure about the rural mm. areas, you know, because mm. I, um, I do uh, online therapy in my private practice. So I get um, clients from all over Malaysia, mm-hmm. but I find that they are mostly in urban places like JD, mm-hmm. Melaka, Penang, Selangor, KL. But not so many from other places. Um, um maybe Kuching, KK, you know, cities lah. But then still like like cities lah, like cities of, of like states. <laughs> Correct. Urban urban-ish area, yeah. So it's getting there, but there's still much to be done. More awareness work, especially in the more rural kind of population. Yeah. But it's like very said also, you know, is it like a surface level, you know? I think that being aware doesn't mean that you don't still stigmatize it, correct? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's important to go a little bit above and beyond than just being aware, but also to be able to talk about it and to, you know, help mm-hmm. others be aware of it, to openly mm-hmm. share it, you know, openly not stigmatize it, you know, just openly talk yeah. about it and, you know, reduce the stigma, encourage those who are suffering to reach out for support. You know, I find that maybe, in, especially in the parents, older generation, people, or even in our generation, you know, they might be aware, okay, mental health um, is important, mm-hmm. you know, depression may cause this, anxiety may cause this, you know, but the stigma is still very strong. Okay. Oh, if, mm-hmm. Yes, there is, it is there, it's real, but it means I'm crazy, you know, or it's, it's too bad. <laughs> People will isolate me. I won't get a job, you know, mm. my, if I'm in a medical school, I might, I might get kicked off, you know. Mm. So mm-hmm. stigma is still there. So that, that is probably what I mean by, you know, awareness mm. there, but not quite. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But what I find presents more as a challenge now is the mental health literacy. So there's awareness, but some individuals, um, are most uh, most individuals are at this stage where they know half, they don't know half. So which I feel that it's a bit worse than not knowing because then, they, you know, you tend to do a lot of um, reading, you read stuff on Facebook, you hear some stuff from family members, and then you jump to conclusion, you self-diagnose, you know, then you, you, yeah, so, so, there's, that's not very helpful, you know, and, and that is the stage that I feel that most Malaysians are in now. 
because there's not enough awareness work, you know, there's not enough literacy training that what is depression exactly, you know, and, and why is it important not to self-diagnose? You know, there are currently more than 200 recognized uh, mental illness, ranging from depression, anxiety disorders, schizophrenia, PTSD, to even developmental disorders, intellectual disability, right, and all that. So, when you turn to the internet for answers, you might head down the wrong path. And, and you know, it might worsen your symptom mm. and o- your overall quality of life even more. <laughs> yeah. And what I find dangerous is, you know, when my clients come to me and they say, first, you know, hi, how can I help you? And then they will say, I read online, I have BPD. Oh, I read online, I have depression. Wow, already, already got diagnosis, you know, come in. So, so... Then I get a bit concerned, you know, because you read online, but but mm-hmm. the fear is that firstly, you might miss a medical diagnosis, you might miss a medical problem, you know, mm-hmm. perhaps maybe like you say that it's panic, you know, my heart beats very fast. It could be a heart issue or a thyroid issue. You know, you might miss certain signs and, and you just jump to a conclusion there's a mental health problem, so you neglect it. Right. Mm. So in other cases, people might also think that they have uh, multiple conditions that explain, you know, one illness they come in, they say, I have PTSD, I have BPD, I have depression, <laughs> loss, a lot of, you know, um, men- disorders. But actually, sometimes the symptoms are, can be explained by one, you know, one issue, one disorder. But when you think that you have so many things, it impacts your quality of life your confidence, your self-esteem. <laughs> yeah. Correct. So, so for example, like I have a client, you know, they exhibit depression and they have issues with attention and lack of sleep. You know, then they come and say, I have depression, I have ADHD because I can't pay attention and then I have a sleeping disorder, you know, but actually the depression itself yeah. already, you know, justifies the lack of attention and sleep. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, you make things matter worse by worrying more than you mm. need to, you know, okay. and attempting to treat a condition that you might not have. Because when they say they have ADHD, they might go for Ritalin, you know, they might go for some kind of medication, you know, that, that yeah. may not be helpful. Help them. Yeah. Okay. Mm. And I think lastly is when you wrongfully self-diagnose your symptoms, you may attempt to cure your condition through diet or over-the-counter medication, you know, like you said earlier with ADHD or other methods. And this might complicate your true condition. You know, when you do all these things that might or might not be helpful. Yeah. So definitely it's important to take mental health seriously. You know, awareness is important, but literacy is another, it's a different thing, you know, and, and there are plenty of great resources online, definitely. But there are also a lot of misleading content and when self-diagnosing leads to self-treatment, you know, you may not only worsen your current condition, but also complicate treatment later on. You know, they come in and they tell me I've done so many things already. And so if you do seek the answer online, you know, feel as though you, you seek answer online and you feel as though you have uncovered a potential diagnosis for yourself. Because I understand you know yourself best, right? Like you know your own condition, but speak to a professional about your findings, you know, rather than just to confirm it yourself and and do self-treatment or, you know, 
start telling people you have this, this, this. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> not the right way to go. So with awareness, it also comes with these kinds of challenges, lah. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you say that, like, like let's say if someone basically thinks that they have uh, mental health, the best way to uh, for them to get guidance is to find a professional. Yes. So they feel there's something wrong. They maybe they can't speak to anyone. They go online. They look for the symptoms. Okay, potentially this this is it. Before you do anything, speak to a professional first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So okay. looking for information, you know, promotes awareness. That's great. But mm-hmm. to self-diagnose is a bit a step beyond that, and it's a bit it's not helpful. <laughs> yeah. That's it for this episode of the podcast where we have Kareen on the pod sharing about her journey of being a clinical psychologist, a taekwondo instructor, and creating a social storybook with her friends. In the next episode, we shall dive deeper into talking about mindfulness and the mental health industry in general. Thanks everyone for listening and hope to see you guys in the next episode. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed, do share with your friends and family and leave us a review on the Apple Podcast. If you are not using an Apple device, you can leave a review on the Apple Podcast website with the link in the show notes. If you have any feedback or thoughts which you hope that we'll discuss in the future, feel free to email them to us at hello at ingthoughts.com or alternatively, you can send us a private message on our Facebook, Instagram or Twitter with the username of ingthoughtspod. Thanks again and see you all next week. Bye-bye.